Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Vassell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now we bring you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. And of course, this is Monday, the day after the Oscars. Hope everyone enjoyed the Oscars. Of course, the 94th Annual Academy Awards. We have our winners. We All the predictions are done with now. We're, we're into kind of the thick of it, dissecting all the performances, everything that went on. And of course, I wouldn't be able to do that without my one and only friend, the awards kind of store himself, a person who's always welcome here on the Sam Vassell podcast, our really good friend, Jason Abdow. Jason, great to see you again, my friend. Thank you for making time coming back onto the podcast right now. A lot to get into. How are you doing? I know we watched the, the, the Academy Awards last night, so it's only been a couple of hours for us since we last saw each other, but going over it again, a couple of hours marinating it. How are you doing since I last saw you? Still a little tired. You know, it's kind of like a a post Oscar hangover, even though it's not, we, we didn't really, we weren't out going crazy, drinking hard Oscar experts like us. We take it serious. We watch sober, but this show, especially for people on the East coast, this goes basically to midnight. Yeah. We have jobs, man. We have to wake up and we're just sluggish the next day. It's and then I'm going to have to do it next week with the Grammys. That's right. The Grammys. I am going to need to uh, invest in some more coffee. But we're here. We are alive. We're awake. We're good. And I got to say, being over at your place, we had a great Oscar party. It was great to see a lot of friends there. You did. Yeah. You and, and, and our good friend, Ben Gregory. You guys lived together. You had a you hosted a great party. You did these awesome little dishes, dinners kind of thing where it was for each of the 10 best picture nominees. And it was awesome. I mean, if you want to talk about that real quick, I mean, it, it's Look, on your Twitter. You have photos yeah. of it. It was such a fun, fun little thing that you guys did. It was awesome. We uh, yeah, it, it was a very last minute decision. Um, we haven't been able to host an Oscar party in years now. Um, like, honestly, since college. For being honest, because the last two, I mean, the, I guess we we had one where we just moved to New York, the year Parasite won. Um, we didn't do much. And then the pandemic happened and that kind of threw everything off. And we were doing them, um, you know, then Oscars were a big night for us. So we really haven't had a minute to to do something. So I kind of want to go out. I had texted you jokingly like, well, I'm sorry, I didn't uh, prepare a 10 course meal. Then I was like, but why can't I prepare a 10 course meal in the course of two hours? Um, so I, I would say I did. We, we kind of had dishes that ranged from. Uh, we, we had like power of the power of the dogs in a blanket. You know, you had pigs in a blanket. We had um, licorice minus the pizza. It was cheaper. Um, and we had some some stretches, you know, Belfast, uh, just an empty plate that said Belfasting. Uh, I drive, drive my carrots and other dipping vegetables. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, so, yeah, it was nice to to have people to watch it with. And, you know, this was a certainly a ceremony to watch with your friends, to say the least. No, yeah, absolutely. And again, it was great to be with everyone, having to see a lot of people again. Seeing something like that was awesome, especially for this year's Oscars. Like you were saying, it was definitely one to experience with a whole bunch of people as we're going to talk about it right away. Again, we're going to get into the winners, what we thought were our favorite parts of the telecast itself. But of course the main thing, and this is unfortunate that we're going to have to start this off with, I want to kind of get it out of the way. Cause I do want to focus on the, and shine a light on the people that did win that 
one for their movies, one for their performances, one for their achievements in their films. But we do have to talk about this thing right off the bat. And of course, it's the thing everybody's talking about. And that is the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident that happened in the middle of the award show. I believe it was around 10. It was a little after 10 o'clock. Yeah. And so it was the, 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 the telecast was moving right along. We were going through every single one of these categories and it was, it was a paint by number show so far. Everyone was enjoying it. If they enjoyed it, if they weren't, they weren't, but nothing crazy happened up until that point. And Chris Rock came out as a presenter for best documentary feature. And Chris Rock kind of went into doing a little bit of a bit as comedians usually sometimes will do as presenters. They'll, you know, they'll do a little spiel and then they'll get into the, to the nominees and then announce the winner so Chris Rock, just to kind of give a little context to what happened, he was going back and forth. He was doing some jokes. And then he arrived to Will Smith and, J- and Jaden Pickett Smith, who were there, of course, for King Richard, for Will Smith, who was nominated for Best Actor. And at that point, basically, Chris Rock told a joke about the way that Jada Pickett Smith was looking specifically about her hair. And she suffers from the, the, this hair disease. And Chris Rock made the joke that... Jada Pickett Smith should be in G.I. Jane 2. And for about, I would say maybe five to 10 seconds, it looked like, you know, it, it was going to be a casual write-off. It was a little bit of joke. And you could see that Jada Pickett Smith was rolling her eyes, not really amused by it, but we'd move on from that point. But then we see Will Smith come up onto the stage, don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, it seems like we, we see Will Smith hit Chris Rock, maybe hit the microphone. And everyone's at this point thinking that it's some kind of a joke still, that it's a part of the bit. Because with live television, if you're not behind the scenes, you don't, you don't know what's a bit and what's not a bit. And it seemed like when he was walking off stage, okay, it was still kind of, you didn't know what to think. And then it cut to a shot of Will Smith again. And at this point, when you see the, the censored version, the mics cut out for a good solid minute. And we didn't know if, at, at least for me, we didn't know, or at least I didn't know if he hit the microphone on Chris Rock, if the mic was out, but it was, it was censored because when you shoot, when you get back to Will Smith, you could see he's very visibly upset. And he actually says to him, keep your, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. And then I think at that point, everyone realized, okay, this isn't a bit, this isn't a joke. This is legit. And then when you watch the, the uncensored part, it very much was not a part of the bit. And that created a whole big storm, really, of controversy that is still being talked about at this very minute. So, Jason, for, I want to I know what you thought when you watched it. First off, when you initially saw it, what was going through your head? And then as the situation kept developing, we learned more and more stuff as the award show was still going on. And again, we were still getting winners going up there celebrations for the ceremony they just kept going right along and we didn't even get to best actor at that point so will smith was still a front runner we knew he was probably going to go up there to speak again so there was just a whole lot of of sidetrack stuff going on with that moment so what was your whole thought press process going on with that whole incident uh, you laid it out pretty well uh so you know first he makes the gi jane joke and they cut to will and jada and jada not laughing rolls her eyes and my my initial reaction i didn't know she had uh, suffered from alopecia until this all happened um and i'm gonna just go out on a limb and assume that chris rock did uh, also didn't know um according to the sources you know yeah, it could didn't. it could also just be a fashion statement um you know if you don't if you don't know any better 
that might be what you assume. Um, so, she, yeah, she rolled her eyes, and it was, um, okay, that is uncomfortable, because why, well, okay, usually you just, like, laugh along to get along, but she just did not uh, clearly like that joke. Um, we kind of see why. And then, you know, when Will Smith came and hit him, and then the mic cut out, it's like, oh, when you hit it, it's like, is this real? And then when the mic cut out, is oh no, this is not what's supposed to happen. You don't just air this extended 20, 30 seconds of mute television uh, for a bit. And then they cut to him and he's almost in tears telling him to keep his wife's name out of his mouth. And, uh, you know, then they, they get the mic back on and Chris and, you know, it's a GI Jane joke. Like it's not a big deal. Which is right. It's like that's already like that, that movie came out 25 years ago. Like <laughs> where it's not even like a great joke, not timely in any way. Um, but I think he was thinking like she what she I she he no way he thought she had alopecia, and that no if he if he knew that she had alopecia and then made that joke, no way he'd react like why are you so offended by this? Because that's not really his brand. To be like, you know, dude, why are you so triggered? You know, he just says stuff off the cuff and, you know, he's a little more lighthearted. So I can totally see why he would think that joke was um, appropriate. Clearly, um, they thought differently. And then, I mean, I was just kind of shocked that it happened. Um, And especially with how Will Smith's media tour had been going. Um, really for the last couple of years, um, but mainly in the lead up to this movie, you know, talking about how his past life, talking about, you know, growing up in an abusive household and having his own demons that he had to deal with his entire life, especially as an adult, learning how to overcome them and um, handle them. So just to see him totally have a, a moment that just we don't, really expect from Will Smith based on what we see of him on screen and in a lot of press interviews where we see him as, you know, this nice friendly guy. Um, Yeah, it was, it was, it was very bizarre. That's just, it felt out of character for him. And yeah. And then, I mean, I guess the rest kind of speaks for itself when he uh, inevitably went on stage again. Um, you know, he was immediately in tears before they had even called his name uh, for the Oscar. And he just pretty much cried through his acceptance speech and it didn't feel like a happy cry. Um, so it, by the end, I was starting to feel bad because I don't know Will Smith and I'm definitely not the type of person to speculate on his private life. Um, I just know what has been said by him and his wife about their relationship and their marital struggles and um, things about an open relationship that have been discussed. And I look, I don't know um, how much of that is true, how much of that is real and how that impacts either of them, how comfortable either of them are. But in that moment, whatever is going on in their relationship felt um, very exposed and felt very, uh, I don't know, it felt very ugly 
because he he was just not in a uh, a good place, and you could really tell he needed a lot of people by his side calming him down. You saw Tyler Perry, you saw Denzel Washington, you saw Bradley Cooper all coming up to him during the commercial breaks with his publicist, you know, talking him down, hugging him, trying to just get his emotions in check. And you could just tell this is someone who is really, really struggling. Um, and you just kind of have, you know, I, and I will never defend violence. Um, not that I think that Chris Rock was like brutally harmed, um, but no, you shouldn't hit someone period. Um, but you could definitely tell there was a, a lot of sadness behind the whole situation. Um, so it's going to get a lot of media attention, obviously, that's why we're starting out with it. But um, at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Chris Rock is physically fine. Um, and, you know, I hope he uh, does what he needs to, to apologize. Um, and I hope that Will Smith, if he needs, uh, needs any professional help with him, you know, with himself, that he goes out and gets that because it just was it, it it went from a shocking moment to a very sad moment and uh i feel like with big media spectacles like this it's kind of easy to lose track of uh you know the human side of things um so that's that's my take on all that yeah no listen i 100 percent agree with you on a lot of that and especially for what should have been really a, a great moment especially for will smith when he did finally have his name called for best actor, knowing the history that he's had, especially the great career that he's had. He's a, a multi-billion dollar movie star, superstar in the industry and somebody who has always been elusive from an Oscar trophy. He had two nominations before for Ali and the pursuit of happiness. And then to have Denzel Washington nominated in the same category, who has always kind of been a mentor for Will Smith. It just, it should have ended in a better way than it actually did. And there's so many different areas to look at this at where it's understandable from Will Smith's angle before he goes up there that he, he would be annoyed potentially. And you also have to say he was laughing at first before. I think when he, when you see the shot cut away after yeah. it spits, not amused by it, I'm sure he looked over to his wife or he saw it. Cause there's probably hundreds of monitors in front of them because they were front row. He probably looked up there, maybe a little bit of a delay and saw his wife's reaction. And then it took, it it got a little bit more personal for him at that point. It's understandable. And I think there's multiple other ways that you can maybe resolve it, whether it's going backstage afterwards, maybe talk to Chris Rock about it, or maybe at one of the after parties if Chris Rock were to go to one of them and hashing it out there, but to do it on it, on the stage, where you have everybody in the Dolby theater and then everybody tens of millions of people that are watching the Oscars to do it right then and there, that's where the line was crossed. And I think any, any relatability that you might've had to Will Smith up until that point, you can't really side with what he did. And the same thing with Chris Rock, where the, 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 the joke was very much out of, out of tone a little bit. And again, you don't, for a comedian, you don't know whether you're going to hit or miss or not. That's, that's what a comedian does. And so for, from Chris Rock's perspective, you know, it, it, he did what he did and, and, you know, whether it was good or bad, that's up for debate, but it's really clearly once that line was crossed, that's where you can't get over that line. And, and you could see that Will Smith was clearly, I think upset about the whole thing. And I'm sure his publicist reportedly was was cradling around him during every commercial after the incident, trying to probably game plan 
what the hell to do. Cause I'm sure they realize he's probably going to have to go back up there and talk. We can't just shuffle him out of here and that's it. He needs to, he needs to be here. So they seem like they game plan for that. And then there was a whole big thing when he won the award, when they were cutting in and out between him and cutting to the Williams sisters. I know you and I were speculating beforehand about why that might've happened. And apparently it was for a nipple slip almost by Venus Williams. And if you watch the tape again, you can, you can kind of see her kind of like cradling the dress a little bit to kind of yeah. like hide it a little bit. And so I think that's what it was. If I you still don't get why I didn't just cut back to Will, but whatever, just I, more bizarre. Just another bizarre thing, but kind yeah. of crazy. We were like, what is happening? But you know what? I go on Twitter. I watch news. I listen to the radio. Listen to everybody talk about it now. And out of everything that happened, that has not go- crossed anyone's mind. <laughs> yeah. No. Is that whole situation. That's how you know this is a uh, look. It was, it, this is going to, it's a big pop culture moment we experienced. Yeah. I mean, does it probably uh, realistically the biggest award show moment since the, uh, since the, Kanye the, took the mic from uh, Taylor Swift in 2009? Yeah. I mean, that's. And when we talk about Oscars, I mean, this is since. The, the best picture meltdown in Moonlight La La Land. This might That's even the, top that, honestly. No, it's absolutely top that. I mean, that because at least that, that was like a nice story at the end of the day. And it's more of a, oh, how did that happen? That's yeah. kind of confusing. Yeah. Not like. This was intentional. You know, everyone can. Uh, everyone's going to have an opinion on this. And, uh, you know, I think some people are on both sides of if Will was in the right or wrong. I think there's people making. uh valid arguments to their cases um but yeah in my, in my opinion i think that chris rock is a comedian he's a performer um the joke while definitely crossing a line um you know we 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 can't we we you, you know i don't want to sound uh, corny but you really violence is not the answer um you're right he, in my opinion, he doesn't look like a tough man for doing that. This just kind of reinforces a lot of uh, toxic, toxic behavior that you need to get violent and physical with someone to protect the person you're with to show that you care about them. Um, which, again, I'm not going to speculate on their relationship personally because I just have never met either of them and have literally no idea. Um, but it's a bad look regardless. It's, it's just, I think it's a very bad look. Um, and it's not worth it. It's a G.I. Jane joke <laughs> at yeah, the end I'm, of the day. It's, it's, it's really, I get why, I, you know, Chris Rock took the hit like a champ. You can hear it. It sounded like a punch. I'm shocked it was a slap. Um, he, uh, you know, he didn't fall. He... Uh, he he took it and, uh, and then he went on and, and also like the, the, a lot of people say because he didn't fall that uh it was staged. Not, <laughs> no, 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 not even a chance. No, Will Smith a is a good actor, but <laughs> yeah, not that good. And so before we move on to this, so there is one question that is kind of going around there is potential punishment for this for Will Smith. I know a lot of people are wondering about the the Oscar there have been amends made since the me too movement in 20, 2017, when the Oscars and the Academy amended some of their laws. And when it came to potentially removing awards and, and Oscars from people that either won or nominations 
was that if there was an act of violence or assault or something like that, the Academy had the right to, to strip you of an Oscar if you were to win. And there was res- re- reports, rumors that that may be an option. I don't I don't personally think that it that this goes to that extent, even though it is it is a bad look. But Jason, for you, do you think that they should take that step or do you think there's another way that they maybe can have punishment doled out to Will Smith where maybe he doesn't come back for next year's Oscars to present the best actor award or best actress? Or do you think that this is just just kind of be should nothing happen? What do you think? In my opinion, he uh, he already he got his award. He was rightfully voted by the Academy to receive it. Um, he got up, he accepted his award, and millions of people saw him with his statue. Um, the records will always say that the person who won Best Actor for 2021 was Will Smith. If they want to strip him of the award, so the only real difference in this situation is that he doesn't have one statue in his mansion, they can do that. Like I said, it's not like he came in there and beat Chris Rock to a pulp. You know, it's not okay. Violence is not okay. Um, it's technically, I guess, in their rules. I guess, you know, assault is assault. Um, he crossed that line. So if they want to take it upon them, I mean, it's within their right. Um, it's technically on their books, but... Um, I don't see that as a, uh, you know, a, a legitimate way to appease the public. Um, nor would I have thought, I thought it would be even worse if they had, you know, just refused to give it to him at the award ceremony. Because again, he was rightfully, uh, they rightfully voted for that. Um, so I don't know. Um, if they do it, they do it. Um, it's hard for me to care about someone worth hundreds of million dollars losing one statue. Um, but I, I don't think it's necessary. I don't see how it actually, um, I don't think it actually does anything one way or the other. Um, in my opinion, I don't think Will Smith is prone to do this again. So I don't know if it's a deterrent if they want to not have him come to next year's ceremony, I think that's probably a more appropriate option. Um, just so they can say that it's not okay. I think that's very appropriate, especially when you have situations like the Grammys aren't letting Kanye perform this year because of his social media antics. I'm like, well, if that's, a, if that's how we're going the line there, like, yeah, obviously punching a dude or slapping a dude on live TV um, yeah, that's probably just cause to say, yeah, maybe next year you can sit this one out, Will. Um, I don't think people would really even notice one way or the other. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's fully necessary. And I, I do have to say this though about, about Chris Rock, and this isn't about the joke or anything like that, but I gotta say it could have gone in so many other different ways. The fact that he got hit and he decided to just kind of trug along and just finish out the bit instead of extending it out there. Cause it seems like when he watched the tape again, he, he was winding up to potentially go after him again with another, another bit, but he, I think he held back, uh, situated the, assess the situation 
And then he decided to continue on with the presentation. So I got to give him props for that though. Cause it could have really, really gotten bad if, 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 if he wanted to, I think. So I, yeah, I, if I was in his situation and I made that joke and I want to just also note that, um, in, in 2009, Chris Rocca starred and uh, helped make a documentary called Good Hair, which mm-hmm. was a uh, celebration of, um, like, of black hair. Right. And, um, you know, how, and, and looking at it from a positive lens and, um, you know, the culture behind it and the history and, um, you know, and, and I just don't think that, you make a movie like that um, and then go off and make an alopecia joke intent, like a needlessly cruel alopecia joke. If you know that that's going to hurt the other person in a personal way. Um, So I really think in his mind, he just made a very innocent joke about um, her public appearance, which he, in his mind thought, well, they should be expecting this. This is Will and Jada Pickett Smith, one of the most famous Hollywood couples. He's about to win an Academy Award. They're sitting 15 feet away from me. And I already roasted them at the 2016 Oscars. This is just going to happen again. Um, so I think he's just, okay, I'll tell this innocent little joke about how she has short hair now. And then he got slapped. And he's like, oh, my God, why did that happen? Well, this isn't about me. Let's be a professional. Let's give Quest Love his Oscar. Cause you know, that's actually what this was about. True. Yeah. You know, Again, this is actually about best documentary feature. We didn't know that best documentary feature was going to get like this. Yeah. Out of all the awards that go this way, it was documentary feature. Glad they didn't save this one for the uh, pre-show, but <laughs> yeah, not this one. Uh, um, but- and yeah, no. So I, I, you know, he, he did handle it like a professional. Um, and I'm sure a lot of comedians, including Chris Rock are used to, um, situations where they tell a joke and it crosses a line. Um, and maybe it's intentional and maybe it's not. I think that's probably a very normal part for, um, most comedians is trying to figure out boundaries and, you know, things change a lot with how people react to jokes and everyone's a little different. And sometimes you're going to offend someone. Um, that's very much part of comedy. Stand-up comedians will tell you that all the time. Um, so I'm sure he's used to pushing people's buttons in a way that make them uncomfortable. And he's probably used to people talking to him and maybe being upset. Um, I'm sure he's never been slapped in front of millions of people over it, but um you know, that's the, that's the benefit of having a professional doing one of these. Um, that's why I think when people are pitching stuff, like let's have Tom Holland host the Oscars. It's like, well, what would Tom Holland do in that situation? If he wrote some show, made a joke that some, uh, you know, struggling writer was uh, slapped together for him and then he got hit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, he's not a professional. He doesn't know how to handle that. You know, this is why we have professional people doing this. Um, you know, it seems silly, but I mean, it is, there is an art form to it. And Chris Rock was, uh, it really did show that skill. Yeah. And, and again, I think that I know some people have been talking about this and especially when it comes to security, people have been wondering like, Oh, how come there's no security guards? How come nobody ran over? 
And I know for you and I, we've done, when we were in college, we, we produced a bunch of television shows and I'm not saying we produce stuff on the level of the Oscars or the Super Bowl or professional don't, TV shows. What's don't that? downplay our hard work. We did. No, we did hard work. But what I'm getting at is that we, we as producers know what it is to be in tight situations and to make split second decisions. And that's why I'm not blaming the producers the directors, I can blame them for this. Some of the telecast stuff that would be, and we'll, we'll get into oh, don't worry. We'll get there. Second. Don't worry, yeah. guys. Your hands are not clean. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to this, it is such a split second moment that whether you call security or not, like there's, like, you're not set up for that. That's why this is a huge moment because it's never, ever happened for you. You're not prepared out of the million things that you're trying to prepare for. That's probably like, low, low, low on the totem pole that you're even expecting to happen. So when it actually does happen and it's the midst of a live performance, a live telecast that's still going on and you still have all this other stuff that's happening, you it's you, you got to think about it in the moment as it's happening. And so I, I think it just, it, it all caught up to them. So I can't blame them for for not taking action on Will Smith, for not doing anything afterwards. I think the, the best thing for them to do was for let the thing for the show to continue on. And right now, post Oscars, you regroup and reassess the situation and go from there. So I think it's the, it, we can pump the brakes a little bit about blaming the actual telecast and maybe the actual ceremony for not doing certain things or taking certain repercussions on what actually happened. Because I think it was split second decisions. It was in the moment. You're, you have a lot of stuff still racing through your mind in that particular moment in time. It's just, there, there's a lot still going on in there, I think. And that's all I'm going to say on the, on the rest of it with, with Will Smith and Chris. Yeah, Rock. I don't that's, know if you have that's all we need to say. Recently. I mean, the only thing we're going to say, and I mean, this kind of goes to the rest of the broadcast, um, but this uh the movies in general were kind of set up to fail as we talked about last time with uh how the academy seems to be actively actively working against um highlighting the movies themselves so when you already have a movie that's or an award show that's so um so flimsy on what it's actually there to celebrate all it takes is one unexpected media moment like this to take all of that, um, all that shine and all that, all those headlines and just any bit of media or social media or just general attention and just totally strip it away from the people who are there to actually celebrate. Because um, we weren't there to celebrate Chris Rock. We were there yeah. to celebrate Will Smith if he were to win his one category. Um, yet that's all it's going to be. And it's not for any of the hard work that was put into any of the movies. It was not for the hard work Chris, uh, Will Smith put into his performance that won him an Oscar. Um, at the end of the day, all that hard work kind of gets neglected because, um, because you couldn't stay in your seat and, uh, not along to the joke that made you feel uncomfortable and handled this as a mature adult. Um, so that's where I'm going to land it. Yeah. No, and a good segue to the actual ceremony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, we'll cover this a lot more on the Sam Bissell podcast as things continue to go on, as the week goes on, however long this progresses. If there's new updates, I'll definitely, we'll definitely keep you updated here on the Sam Bissell podcast. And again, just one last thing, whatever Chris Rock does next, 
comedy special or whatever, people are going to be lining up, whether it's Netflix, whatever streaming <laughs> service, to get it. Because I'm sure Chris Rock will definitely be cracking up some jokes about this. This isn't going to stop him from doing any of that kind of stuff. That's how good he is. And that's why we love watching and seeing Chris Rock with what he does. But to transition now to the overall ceremony before we get to the winners of the night, something that you pointed out to Jason was the guardrails that they had for this and to have people navigating through their ceremony. And no matter what you thought, I think this award show proved throughout why you need hosts for the Oscars. Cause you need that, that, that fallback in case something goes awry and you have somebody kind of pull you back into the ceremony and to get you everything kind of back on track. And I know you and I had reservations about Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall. And for the most part, they were okay. Not the greatest in the whole world, but I think they were serviceable. In, they in went the as end. expected. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which isn't a good thing. Because my expectations were on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I will say I think I think probably the funniest moment from the hosts, and again, not to really keep harping back on this, I thought one of the funnier moments was Amy Schumer after that situation, her mm-hmm. having to go off the cuff and kind of improvise, which was great actually, kind of address the situation while moving it forward. And like I said, that's why you do need a semi-professional host, and you know she's might not have a lot of hosting experience per se, but I mean, she's a comedian. She knows how to move a crowd and react impromptu. And you could tell, wow, that's when you don't have to siphon through a million different people and go through a different level of uh, management to approve every single mediocre joke you write. It's usually going to be funnier (laughs) Um, because that's what that nobody was. we, We had a ton of people here and nobody was really laughing at their intro. Um, yeah. They didn't have any natural chemistry together. Um, you could tell that none of them had really engaged with each other outside of hosting this specific award show. Um, you know, they made a few, you know, passing jokes about how Amy Schumer was the one white woman out. Um, you know, they made a few political jabs that I thought were just kind of lazy and just in there to be there. Um, not saying I agree or disagree with any of them, um, just that they were not clever or well presented in any way. Um, I, I just, it just felt tired, even though we haven't seen an Oscar host in three years and that's not what you want. Um, I, I, but you know, I, but I do agree with you that I think three mediocre to not great hosts, um, it does technically work better than no hosts. Yeah. Um, you should have that person to keep coming back to. Um, it would just be better if every time you saw them, you were kind of excited to hear from them. Or there was never a moment while they were gone where I was wondering, wow, it's been a while since we saw them. Yeah. When it they was, came in, it was more of, a, oh, wow, they are hosting. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Um, but hey, they clearly slapped it to host together last second and it showed, but. You know, maybe next year if they have a full year to prep and maybe they just get one solid host. Maybe they get Chris Rocky. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you want to get the ratings back up again, we'll talk about it in a sec. You can do that. Yeah. Um, 
But I, but I don't think that, I mean, I'm not saying a lot of nice things, but they definitely weren't at the end of the day, the worst part of the show. They weren't the best part of the show. They just simply were there um, doing their job as expected. I will say though, the one bit that I actually did kind of enjoy a little bit was when they reenacted kind of some of the movies like Wanda Sykes was, was Richard Williams, Regina Hall was Tammy Faye, and then Amy Schumer came down as Spider-Man. That part I, I was amused by, but all this stuff didn't get didn't amuse me to that extent. But I was like, okay, you got me with that one. I, I enjoyed that one. Good, good job on that on that little bit that you did for me there. And and on the subject of Spider-Man, just to segue the conversation a little, um, that was probably the best moment that Spider-Man had all night. <laughs> True, because. Poor Spider-Man, they made up categories for Spider-Man to win. Yep, and they didn't win. <laughs> the, the the fan cheer moment, they narrowed it down to five. Mm-hmm. And the three Spideys swinging together was two? Yep. Which, first of all, I mean, no, it, that was a great moment. Um, it lost to the, the, the Flash. The Flash moment for Zack Snyder's Justice League, yep. And, and then uh, it came in fourth for the uh, fan vote uh, behind the, whatever Johnny Depp movie that was. Mm-hmm. Um, Cinderella. Cinderella and Army of the Dead. Yep. Zack Snyder again. Zach, the the Zack social Snyder media wing. came out hard. And all it really proved was, hey, Oscars, that was really stupid. Yep. And <laughs> I think people, know, that was dumb. <laughs> yeah. And I think the fact that they relegated it to a commercial area you knew, you, I think they realized, yeah, this didn't pan out the way that we thought it was going to pan they out. They seemed embarrassed yeah. by that. The fact that, it, that it, what was that? No, it's like it's not like Zack Snyder was there to be yeah. happy. Well, he's going to tweet about it like, oh, thanks. I mean, I don't have an Oscar or anything for that, but I'm glad that my fans are good at tweeting. Yeah, and that's basically what it is. I mean, never, ever, ever underestimate the social media strength of Zack Snyder and his legion of fans. It's it's no joke. It is legit. I mean, you just look at the Snyder cut and what they were able to do with that, and that's that's all you need to know. But, yeah, they, they came through for him big time there. And, yeah, it failed for No Way Home. Didn't get any recognition. I'll say – we'll say this right up front. Didn't win visual effects. So Spider-Man No Way Home didn't have the best of nights at the Academy Awards, nor did Marvel overall in general. But I think other than that, though, there were some other things that I wasn't a big fan of when it comes to the telecast. I like the James Bond tribute. Let's was not a- talk about that because I'm I'm think the Bond tribute was fine. The the video itself, I I, I enjoyed the Living Let Die portion, like that that yeah. was cool. I could go on YouTube and find that though. True. Like I mean, I get it. You you're it's going to be tough to get all of the Bonds. The, the bonds who are still with us on stage I, together, I holding think. hands and, you know, singing Skyfall together. I don't expect anything. I, I know it's tough, but um, in the video, no, not to discredit the video. I mean, it would, if, the, if I found that video on YouTube, I'd be like, this is an insanely talented guy who should be making clips for the Oscars, <laughs> but that's all it was. Yeah. Um, and who did they have introduce it? It was Sean White, Tony Hawk, and I forget the person in the middle, but I think he's an extreme. Kelly sports. Slater. Yeah, Kelly the, uh, Slater. Surfer. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, so they had them do it. They nailed the teleprompter. Good on them. They did. Because not everybody did. It's true. It really is um, true. But then 
you know, that happened. And it's like, wow, what a perfect segue to Billie Eilish doing No Time to Die. Then it cuts to commercial and we come back and they're like, and here's the song from Encanto. Which you called it. It was so funny. We were joking I, I about it and it, it actually happened. I didn't really call it because I was like, how funny would it be if they messed up this bad? And you know what they did? They, they messed did. up that bad. They just didn't. How do you not produce it like that? That's how you make the 60th anniversary when the movie, it's the front runner to win best song. Spoiler alert, it did win best song. Mm-hmm. Billie yep. Eilish, besides Beyonce opened it, by the way, Beyonce opening. Awesome. Was the right Great move. opening. Correct move. Great way to start the night. Yeah. Um, but but I, I, that, she's by far the biggest name you have there. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think with, 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 with the James Bond thing though, is that they should have done what they did in 2012 for the 2013 ceremony when Skyfall came out and that was to celebrate the 50th. They had a video montage come out. I believe Holly Berry presented it. And then right after they had Shirley Bassey come out and sing Goldfinger. Like you should have done that or something along those lines, or you do no time to die. Like you do something to keep the theme. And that's exactly what I'm saying is that it was cool. You had three people who are not at all connected to Bond come out to show a video that, again, good, but you can go on YouTube and find a Bond tribute that's good. Yeah. No, um, I agree with you. And that. that's it. And then you cut the commercial. Yeah. Um, it was very disappointing. It's, and, it's incredibly disappointing. And yeah. <laughs> let's not even forget talk about the Godfather tribute they did, which I yeah. think was even – That was a huge tried, disappointment. They tried, but that was such a disappointment. Everything. The first movie, they have Diddy. Um, they had they had uh, Diddy music underplaying the Godfather video. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? And look, I get it. You know, there's there's parallels between hip hop and and the Godfather. It's 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 a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. That has impacted um, music. It's impacted movies. It's impacted TV. It's touched. It's had its hands in everything. Okay. Everything. We know that. That's why we're celebrating. So, and, and you know what? I, I don't even hate you for making the effort, but it's such a, such a stretch to really make that line. And the, the tribute wasn't great. And then you have Coppola, Pacino, and De Niro come out. Um, side note, it technically, I mean, not to get into the weeds of it, but technically with a 50-year tribute for the first Godfather. De Niro was in part two. Yeah. That's technically wrong. But, but even- it doesn't matter because we didn't hear him speak because they didn't even have the two people who were actually speaking, had speaking parts in the movie, say anything. Yeah. You know? It was just, they, it was just Coppola. It was just Coppola. Again, no problem with Coppola speaking, obviously, but why do you have the other two guys? Like, they're his bodyguards. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, Coppola did have a nice speech, I think, talking about Robert Evans a little bit, and yeah. you know, there was a long few there. Like, it was nice to hear him talk about it and because it, with Francis Ford Coppola, he's somebody that he, he never likes talking about his past movies, so to hear him actually celebrate The Godfather and open up about it a little bit more these past couple of months with the 50th anniversary approaching and co- coming and going, it's been nice to hear him reflect on it. 50 years later after making it and, and the trials and tribulations that he went through. So I thought that was nice, but yeah, Absolutely. if you don't have Pacino or De Niro or you don't even have Robert Duvall come out, I don't know what the state of his health well, is at this point. Um, but Yeah. My, my theory is that Duvall and James Conn were, um, I, I know James Conn is, were, is not, he, he, I don't think either of them are in a particularly tip top shape. Yeah. My thing about 
maybe like a decade ago when they had Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Might have even been more recently than that, but they had Kirk Douglas come out and it was very it was, difficult. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. he clearly didn't even know where he was. Yeah. Um, I wonder what I, I would have had Tyler Share there. Tyler Cher, I, I mean, there's, I mean, there's like, a lot of things you could have done. There's a lot of things you could have done. Yeah. I mean, um, and they didn't do that. And yeah, so the tribute was, I think that was also just a massive bust. And when these are the 10 pole things that you're doing to be like, this is how we're celebrating cinema. Like, I'm sorry. A, like a, a little montage video isn't going to cut it. Yeah, no, it's Having not. Having Francis Ford Coppola talk for 15 seconds is not going to cut it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I agree with you. And then, well, and then, I mean, if we're talking about celebrations and big moments, another kind of big letdown was how much we were talking about the we don't talk about Bruno first ever cast recording. Yeah, I, 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 got, I got qualms about that one. Really big ones about that. Look, I see what they were going for. Um, I didn't think the intro was too bad with the introducing the individual cast members. Yeah. Um, Got to expand. Ex- expand the stephanie beatrice's uh role a little bit i get why you would do that she's the face of the movie you have her in person you can't you gotta have her actually engaging in it yeah um but i think they were happy they the performance was good um i mean like the vocal performance was good the production was fine um and then there's probably the contentious moment they have megan the stallion come out to do you a, have Megan uh, the Stallion, you have Louis Fonzi, you have B- Becky G. Like it just, well, I was I'm okay lo- with Louis Fonzi and Becky G. They were expected. Um, they announced they were going to be there, and they were still at least contributing to the song. Yeah, but I just felt like when I when I wanted to see what we don't talk about Bruno was when I think of it, I wanted to see the actual cast. I think it was it could have been a great opportunity to bring out that incredibly diverse cast that you have for, for Encanto that was going to sing it for the very first time. Again, I agree with you where the intro, you see the one track shot of them. Absolutely. Going about like, I, I was expecting more of that and to see the big, the production value was great. I have no problems with that, but having additional orders that weren't a part of it. I, I just, that's not what I was expecting. It just didn't turn out the best for me in I that kind of a way. Would agree generally with you. You're not wrong. Um, I think the Megan the Stallion thing, the issue was that wasn't necessarily the verse. I thought the verse was totally fine. It was just whatever she usually does, does, you know, she wrote probably on like a week's notice, a little verse for it and performed it to the best of her ability. Um, she didn't mess up or anything. It was just that just took a lot of air out of the uh, the performance for me because it's now okay. Now we're on this. Um, I guess we're not fully celebrating the song that just spent like seven weeks at number one on the Hot 100. And then we immediately go from that. We pan the camera over, and there's dozens of people out on screen dancing. They have this globe in the background with people doing their little viral TikToks, which is an, I thought was a appropriate yeah. um, nod to the viral phenomenon yeah. that it became. It's the only reason they're performing it. And I get that. But we see all this going on from a very distant shot for maybe 30 seconds. Yeah. So like, why are you going to have all of these people work so hard on this performance? And the entire room that we were at just talking about, why was Megan the Stallion just there? Yeah. I mean, you kind of just, you can take the wind out of your sails a little. 
Yeah. Now I'm, people aren't paying attention to the actual production value that they're putting into this. Um, so it was very bizarre, and it just felt like another op- another situation where the Oscars can't help but shoot themselves in the foot to yeah. appeal to an audience that doesn't really exist or doesn't care about them. Yes. Because um, I don't think anybody came away from that and was like, man, thank God Megan was there to save the day, or I would have had to watch a really nice, intricate performance of a song I like. You know, I don't yeah. know what the point of that was. It's not getting a, it, it didn't become a viral moment, certainly. Um, no, it didn't. And, and and I think it really could have. But to kind of go into the positive side, though, I did like the the performance of of the the nominated song for Encanto. I thought that was a great rendition. I love the set design, the choreography, the having the the, the duet dance kind of go. It was beautiful. That's what I kind of performed. expected. The, we don't talk about Bruno to look like. Yeah. And the fact that they started with that and it was just, you know, lush, beautiful set. And I was like, whoa, this is like exactly what I would want to see from this. Yeah. You know, it played into the movie. It played into the emotion of it. It really did a great job of capturing. Um, and I'm sure Disney had no problem shelling out a little more money for their Yeah, I'm sure. Um, especially like, if they got okay, it on their Reba, own television. Reba, grab your guitar and go up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, especially uh, when it's a company that you own too that's broadcasting it. I'm yeah. sure you can pour just a, a few thousand more dollars into it, maybe. Yeah. So you know, I get that they're going to give them a little more money to have a little more fun with it. Yeah. Um, Billy Eilish, I enjoyed. I, I really like that and performance. He did a great job too. But yeah, I mean, that started. But the, the thing is, the, the one in Conto song that I don't even think is a better song from the movie came out and it was beautiful and then the actual hit comes out and i'm left disappointed yeah it's a shame that's what the oscars are all about aren't they they're all about disappointments and and surprises and again we think about award season as a big roller coaster the actual telecast itself is probably the biggest roller yeah, coaster we have more to, honestly there's probably more to say about the actual ceremony this year than the awards because they've been pretty yeah. predictable we'll get well, into that a little bit. there is one but, thing we need to talk about though yeah please say because i know I know exactly where you're going to go because it's exactly what I want to talk about. Yeah. And that is, of course, the big thing that was, especially for us that are kind of inside this, we always look at it, are the eight categories that were presented an hour before the actual ceremony came on. And of course, there was a big backlash to it and the fact that a lot of these were below the line categories for crafts that in the actual making of a movie are huge, important aspects of why movie magic is what movie magic is. And there were a lot of silent kind of silent protests and people weren't really happy, but they even said on the red carpet before going in for that portion that they weren't going to let that stand in the way of celebrating. And, and I really love the mindset that they had for that because, yeah, it, it, it's not the best ideal situation, but you're still going to have a ceremony. You're still going to get people that hopefully will go in and, and watch it. And there were a lot of people that arrived. For that, I think it was I think it was pretty cool and amazing that there were a lot of stars already on the red carpet. Because usually they'll arrive like 90 minutes before, like here in the East Coast around like 6.30, they'll usually show up. They were showing up at around like 4.30, 5 o'clock to kind of get in there for that hour beforehand ceremony that was happening that wasn't really telecast live. You see you had Denny Villeneuve there. You had, I believe, Tyler Perry was there, Guillermo del Toro. They were all there to represent the people that worked really hard on their films. And so you were hearing about some of the winners that were coming out, but you didn't know how they were going to integrate them into the, to the main telecast. Jason, when you saw it, did it, despite whether it, it helped the runtime or not, do you think it, it, fit, Spoiler. it <laughs> do you think it fit in well with the show itself? Did it feel out of place or did it feel like it was just a, a normal part of the ceremony in and of itself? Look, I'm obviously coming in a little biased because I was so against the decision to begin with. Um, 
But you know what? Like, I'll be I'll be kind of honest, and I'm not advocating for this. I can't imagine it's much worse at the end of the day to just not even have them. If you're gonna like, if you're gonna disrespect them like that, you're gonna cut out the words that they have to say, and really just pick out because um, I'm trying to remember what category it was. Um, I it might have been the one for production design or um, maybe one of the other ones. When the when the winner came up, they they actually kind of publicly made a statement about uh, you know how do we should stand up for below the line people in the broadcast totally cut that out and you know we got little moments we got to see Riz Ahmed talk for like a couple seconds that's the first Muslim to ever win a short category and it doesn't help that he's a uh, you know an actor who is taking leading roles um like this is a name again he was presented an Oscar last year he was nominated for lead actor last year and now this is what it is um so yeah i think it was incredibly disrespectful it didn't help the flow of the show and anything it hurt the flow of the show like i said it might have even been better just cut them to begin with because then we wouldn't have seen these um blatantly pre-recorded things um stitched together just to save like a minute yeah we saved a maximum of 10 minutes i would say 10 15 minutes from this and they still went over and they still went over um Look, there's a lot of things I would cut in favor of just doing those categories um, the way you did it. Because it's it's so weird. Well, oh, we're going to have a shortened uh, production design, but costume design, that one can go on all day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dune won most of the categories that got uh, preempted. So I barely got to see Dune even win any of the six, six awards it got. Um. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm trying to think of the uh, of the five non-short categories that won. Uh, it was, I think, it was really only Tammy Faye that won. Yeah, won makeup and hairstyling, one. but production design, score, yeah, um, everything sound, else was doing. But sound, no, I don't know. If sound was uh, one of sound, the ones. But anyway, yeah, no, sound, sound was doing. Sound, sound was doing. No, but sound was pre-recorded. Yeah, sound was pre-recorded. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, in editing. Yeah. So yeah. like. Most pretty much all of Dune's wins we didn't get to see, and that's the movie in your best picture lineup that made the most money. And so, and you want to probably gain more like momentum for the next one. So I'm sure Warner Brothers wasn't really all that enthralled that. Yeah, I'd be that pissed. Short runtime on that. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, no, it, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, really, just shooting yourself in the foot again seeing these pre-recorded Dune. And then they even had uh, Josh Brolin and Jason Momoa present some of those awards. Um, so they, it's like they knew, like, look, we're just throwing Dune under the bus exclusively. Yeah, they um, knew. They knew somehow. Sucks. <laughs> it, it was bad. Um, and, and one last note um, before we get to the actual awards, I just want to say um, just one more baffling moment from the award show. Because um, they managed to now mess this up two years in a row feels weird because most award shows have this and they are it's very easy to do it right because they've been doing it right for decades um how about that in memoriam (laughs) how do you get it wrong a second time like i mean you had 
I'm sorry. Like, it's basically a 30 Rock bit at this time to have Jamie Lee Curtis come out with, like, a little dog talking about Betty White while, like, people are singing and dancing. And, look, I get it. Like, you can do it in a way where it's a celebration of life, okay? But, I mean, you have people coming in and just belting their little hearts out with this upbeat music. And, you know, they're giving it their all. Um, But it feels so weird. It doesn't feel right. It just feels like they're out of touch. There's nothing wrong with the touching tribute. It's easy. It's safe. And given how um, off the rails so much stuff has already been going and how uh, you want to return to the old glory days, I don't get why the Oscars can't just, you know, have some uh, some professional singer come in like they did with Billie Eilish, sing a song that we all know, do whatever, do over to Rainbow Bridge or whatever, uh, and, and just call it the day. Have them sing yesterday. Do what you got to do. A song we all know. Have it slow down. Have the beat. Have the camera on the actual people. You know, we were watching like, you know, these are Academy Award winning actors and directors and producers and writers being presented, and the camera's all the way back here. And I'm looking from a distance being like, oh, yeah, that person did die. I can barely see because there's so much stuff on my screen right now. Yeah. Um, it takes, again, the Oscars want to shoot themselves in the foot and they want to, at any given moment, take away from whatever it is they're supposed to be celebrating. It genuinely feels like that. Um, and the fact they can't even nail it in memoriam, um, that's rough. Yeah. yeah, and I get it that culturally it's different than what other cultures do as well. And I just think for a lot of viewers, we're accustomed to seeing it one way and this was a different way. So I can get it from that perspective and, and seeing, trying it a different way. And if there's anything, even though I do, and I know you and I share similar fates where there's a lot more negatives that we have than positives with the telecast, but I do appreciate Will Packer doing different things and trying to go for it, even though a lot of it landed with a big thud I understand what he was trying to go for. He was trying to go for trying to save the ratings, which at least from the initial numbers only went up. I believe it was a good 32% from the initial numbers from last year. It's around 13.7 million, but that could change because they don't have the overnight number. So within the next couple of days, that number is either going to grow or it could stay the same or it could decrease. We'll see where it goes, but right now it's, it's a bump up at least, but not by a whole lot from last year. So I just think, he tried to go for it. Some of it worked to some extent. A lot of it didn't necessarily work to the benefit. I think there were a lot of, like you said, missed opportunities at some points, whether it be presenters or the way that some things were, were put on the rundown that maybe you could switch the orders of. I just think that there were some missed opportunities that next time, I think, whether they bring Will Packer back. And, and I hope they either bring him back or somebody else. I think they need consistency on the board for putting on the show. Cause I think for the longest time, whether it was, it was Billy Crystal or some of the other hopes, hosts, excuse me, like Whoopi Goldberg, you had consistency for a consecutive number of years. And I think you need that back right now. I don't think you can keep switching on and off where it's different people doing every single year because you're bringing in more cooks in the kitchen. You need consistency. So whether you bring Will Packer back, which I'd be fine with, and maybe he, he changes some things up that maybe didn't work this year that maybe could work next year. And I'd be cool with that. So, again, I think some things he went for didn't work. Some things 
then it worked, but that didn't necessarily work in the long run. So uh, again, I gave it probably a, a C plus probably at best. I don't know what grade you would give it overall, Jason. Would it be the same or maybe a little lower, higher? I don't know. Probably a C minus to be honest. Well, wow. Like I said, it just, I mean, that's honestly, in my opinion, that's kind of generous. <laughs> like, because they're i mean they did the little things they brought oscar clips back yeah um for the acting categories and they didn't pick bad clips um but you could tell oh this is why they got nominated yeah uh, i like seeing that it seems like such a little thing but they did it um i'm, I'm so i'm glad about that yeah and um you know they presented the movies yeah which I wish they had the presenters back because they just kind of went to the movies. I liked having kind of representatives weird. for the films up there. Like you had Jude yeah, Hill there. Oh, we're back from commercial now. It, it was very bizarre. Yeah. Um, but still, at the end of the day, I just never fully felt like the award ceremony was fully there to represent and give attention to the movies. I still feel like the actual Academy Award ceremony is still like actively working against itself. And I just think they should lean into the people who want to watch it and the people who care and love about, love the movies that are nominated. Um, yeah. I don't think, I think it's, it's cliche as it sounds as easy as it is. We're, we're still treading water right now. And we, uh, we might just need to kind of go back to basics if we want to build off of anything. Cause we've, we've kind of gone way off the rails. Yeah, and not, but I will say this though, as kind of a positive to end this this topic before yes. we move on to the to the actual winners, it was nice to see everybody back there though. After last year having at Union Station, having it back mm-hmm. at the Dolby Theater, I like the design that they had, kind of making Absolutely. it like a nightclub kind of area. I like that having a, a shorter stage was cool, so you don't have them kind of going up the steps and you have people tripping. I thought that was a nice touch as well. So there were things they did to accommodate them. It was just great to see everybody back there. So. In the end, we'll see where it goes to next year. A lot of misses, some hits, but again, overall, it was just great to see people back in the theater itself in person for that win. Great seeing Sir Anthony Hopkins there after not seeing him there last year. Yes. It was just great to see people again. So I'm glad he made it. Yeah. So we'll leave it on that note and we'll go over to what I think is the most important aspect and, I, and what I hope people yes. will continue to take away from this Oscars is not all the antics that happened with Will Smith or Chris Rock. It's the actual winners, the shining a light on the people that deserve these awards, shining a light on the films that they represent or the films themselves that are being represented from 2021. So now we're going to go through every single one of the winners that won at the 94th annual Academy Awards this year. And Jason, for you and I, for our ballots, we, we did really, really good. We cleaned up. I think this might have been I know for me, it was my best year on a ballot ever I, I don't know for you how it was this is, if this I was think, one of your best ones or if this was your best one i don't know uh this is tied i think in 2014 i also i got all but two right this year i went 20 21 for 23 um and in 2014 i think with my last best i think i went either 21 or 22 for 24 okay um so i did quite well um they were pretty predictable and um you can brag about what you did <laughs> I mean, I did. I did go twenty-two for twenty-three. There was all so I missed. Close. I missed animated short. That was the only one that I missed on. I took. Well, I felt like say, a few. What's that? The two awards I got wrong and the one you got wrong. They weren't even on the live broadcast. Did they even count? Uh, did they even count? We count them. We acknowledge all twenty-three ca- categories. We do not keep any of them out here 
on the Sam Bissell podcast. We don't do that. All right. But yeah, we did well. I think that's just a sign of uh, that we're experts, but also that things were, we were, I was all kind of waiting. When is it going to get crazy? But yeah. Even, even best actress, even though earlier in the season, when we get lead up to the Oscars, it was crazy. But by the time best actress rolled around, I think we had an idea of where it was going to go and it panned out to be that exact way. So we'll get into all that when we get to the top of the section, but we're going to start out going up from the bottom to the top and getting through the rest of these categories. So we're going to start out with the shorts first for best live action short. The nominees were the dress, Alakuchi, take and run the long goodbye, please hold and on my mind. And I had the long goodbye for this one, Jason, I believe you had, we both did. Yep. So this is a huge win. This, this, the the Rizad men one. So great to see him on stage, even if it was for a couple of seconds, but he deserved it kind of getting redemption for not winning the Oscar for best actor for Simon metal last year. He gets his first doctor. Now Oscar now very well deserved for him. I'm very happy for Rizad Medier. And and like I said earlier, first Muslim to win in a short category. Um, So there's history to be made there. Um, And I'm very happy for Rizad Med and um, hopefully it's his first of multiple Oscars because I still would love to see him win a proper actor ask, uh, acting Oscar. <laughs> my bad. I know. Absolutely. And I definitely think he'll be up there for whatever he does next. I'm sure he will be up there in no time. All right. Moving on to best documentary short. The nominees were audible three songs for Benzier when we were bullies and lead me home. Now, Jason, we both had this correct when we did our prediction show we but then did, when I was I, over your house, you said he made a little adjustment at the very end. I didn't end. make an adjustment. I, it's for the record. You can check my ballot. I'll, I'll oh. put it up to the screen. You can see bright and clear. That the yep, Queen of you did. was checked off. But I said um, that I, that was the one that I was fully prepared to be wrong. I thought it would go to Audible after mm-hmm. hearing what it was about. And it was like, oh, that sounds like Coda, which is about to win Best Picture on my sheet. That feels like they might just do that. But don't worry, Jason, you in the past had it right. <laughs> you did. And you did well, get it right. So good for you. So we're two for two right now. But right. that's about to change, though. We got, well, congratulations to Queen on the basketball, though. But that's all about the change as we get to at least my first loss of the night. And only it, loss of the night. And only loss of the night. And that is, of course, in Best Animated Short. And the nominees in this category were Bestie, Robin Robin, Affairs of the Art, The Windshield Wiper, and box ballot. And I did have Robin Robin as my pick for this category, but instead it did go to the windshield wiper, which it did have in my fourth spot when looking at my gold derby rankings for that category. Weak stuff. Upset of the day. I yeah. think everyone got, I think a lot of people got that wrong. Cause I saw a lot of people actually had the 22 for 23. And I think gold derby, if you go off of there, whatever they had top rated, um, they went 22 for 23 too. I think everything else was, uh, that one was what they predicted to win, except for animated short. Again, showing how predictable these show, award shows, the, the award show is. Um, but look, we like an upset. Yeah. I and you always get one of the shorts. I got nothing to say about the windshield wiper. I'm not going to talk down on it. Me neither. I mean, listen, I like all representation for the shorts. At least we kind of get those in there. I think it's a great showcase for young filmmakers to kind of start up there and then work their way up. So it's great to see that being showcased and highlighted at the Academy Awards. So windshield wiper wins best animated short. Congratulations to that film. Now we're going to be moving on to the feature length categories now. And the one that we're going to start out with, of course, 
is going to the one and only best international film. And the nominees in this category were Flea, The Worst Person in the World, Drive My Car, The Hand of God, and La Yuna, A Yak in the Classroom. And the winner for best international film was the best picture nominee, Drive My Car, which took home this award. And it is the second Japanese film to take this award. So congratulations to the nation of Japan for this win. Very well-deserved. Jason, I believe we we were right on this one too. Yeah, I mean, this one was uh, probably one of the biggest locks of the night. It was nominated in all of the top line categories. I have no problem with it winning. Um, I think that uh, Hamaguchi gave a good speech. You know, he went on and off again. They tried to cut him off, right? Yeah. Well, Yeah, well, I will say it's like, Whenever you go like this with your Oscar, that's usually an indication that you're about to sign off. He did it like three or four times as a fake out. So the band was ready to get to to go and get going. And so after like the third or fourth time, they're like, all right, man, we got, we got to keep going. And we got to keep, we got to keep moving this along here. But I I wish they didn't cut him off, but the the hand motion gave the indication he was done. There was another cutoff moment. We'll get to that was a little more awkward, but, but, but this one, it was great to see him get at least an Oscar. It, I think this was an easy one. I know some people had the worst person in the world winning this one and upsetting, but I just think, again, like we talked about on our prediction show on Friday, the fact that it had three nominations, one in Best Picture, one in Screenplay, the, oh, three actually with, with Best director. director as well. Yeah. So it definitely had a lot of momentum going into tonight that it was a favorite within the Academy. All right, moving on to Best Documentary Feature, and the nominees in this category were Flea, Ascension, Summer of Soul, Attica, and Writing with Fire. Now, of course, this is the one that the <laughs> whole incident took place in. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to steal that thunder from Questlove. We are going to recognize him here for the phenomenal work that he did in this for this movie as a director and also for the amazing speech that he gave at the Oscars. I thought it was a very moving speech talking about his family, what this meant to him. Amazing work done by Questlove. So kudos to him. Congratulations on a very well-deserved Oscar for him last night. And it's true. No, he, he put his heart into this movie. Um, this is something he'd cared about a lot and it shows the movie was phenomenal. And he gave a very impassioned speech. Um, you know, he definitely is not the person who probably imagined himself winning a documentary Oscar. Um, but here he is, lead documentarian quest love. Um, it's well known. Yeah, the, speech, the speech, I would say in general, a lot of the speeches were great. Um, yeah. But I, I really liked just how he brought it home, you know? Um, he, he made it personal. He explained why this was the movie he chose to do. And you totally understood why. Um, and it, it, it came across in the movie anyway, but if you need any more explanation, um, yeah, perfect, perfect cap to that award ceremony or to that awards run for summer. Soul. absolutely. And now we can say Academy award winner quest love whenever we see him nowadays. Does, does he still work on the, the Jimmy Fallon show? Pretty sure he's still uh, he's still there, yeah. So now, whenever so now the the VO can say Academy Award winner Questlove now in in the in the airings moving forward, as they should. All right, moving on now to Best Animated Feature. The nominees in this category were The Mitchell versus the Machines, Flea, Luca, Ryan the Last Dragon, and Encanto. And while we were maybe looking for an upset in this category, it was not meant to be as Encanto. 
with its strong momentum, won this award and another rack up win for Disney animation and Disney in general within the animated feature category. Jason, no surprise here. I think people were expecting this for you. Was it a surprise? Was it not? What were your thoughts when you saw Encanto win this award? Well, they had three Disney princesses presented to her. To that. that is true. So that was, um, you know, when you saw Lily James, uh, the uh, Halle Bailey, and um, who's going to be a Little Mermaid, and oh, who's oh uh, Naomi Scott, Naomi uh, Scott, yeah, Aladdin, yeah. They had the three of them come. I was like, oh, well, there you go. Technically, there's only one movie that was nominated that was technically a Dis- that was about a Disney princess. Technically, that's true. Maya, not get it. <laughs> it's but all right. I Next time, D- Disney's still doing Disney. They are. They're still not doing true. it. And I, and, and I thought that, oh, like, how cool would it be to have all the Disney princesses up there? Because we knew Rachel Zegler was going to be there. But when you had Lily James, Halle Bailey, and Naomi Scott, it still made a lot of sense because they're all Disney princesses in the end. So either way, it was a really cool moment to see all them up on stage together. All right. Moving on now to best visual effects. And the nominees in this category were No Time to Die, Free Guy, Dune, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings and Spider-Man No Way Home. And Jason, again, we said Spider-Man walked away with a donut hole at the Oscars, and this was the one category that it was nominated in for an official Oscar. Instead, it went to the sci-fi epic itself in one of its six awards of the night with Dune racking up this win. No surprise, I think, when you see the VFX in this movie, you can't even tell their visual effects. That's how good they are. And so this is a very well-deserved win for for Dune. Yeah, I mean, again, one of the easiest locks of the night they always give it like i said they give it to the best movie with visual effects dune was nominated elsewhere and yeah this is the the only thing i really have to say is that one poor guy that they just totally cut off when he went they, yeah. there were i think four people nominated they all said their little piece then at the end the one guy went to speak and they started playing and it was just he was like oh okay i guess i just won't give my speech for my hard work yeah. And then they stop playing. And then he's like, oh, he was just clearly all flustered. He's like, no, just thanks, I guess. And then it, it was just <laughs> so uncomfortable. It's like, guys. Please, it's okay to play me off. I'm okay with it. Nobody's keeping track of who spoke yet. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Sometimes, I mean, e- even in some of the later categories, you just you got to have a better sense of timing and when to play and when not to play them off. That's just, <laughs> it's, I feel bad for them sometimes. But yeah, that, that was a bad one. Moving on now, though, to Best Sound, the nominees in this category were Dune, West Side Story, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and Belfast. And another rack-up win for Dune in this category, Jason. Again, I don't think this is a surprise whatsoever. Again, the, the, the sound in Dune was just, it made the visual experience for that movie even more enthralling. So no surprise that the technical categories kept racking it up for Dune. Absolutely. No, nothing to add. Doing right. technical Marvel. Doing all the way. Going to be winning its awards. All right. Steering away from the Doom momentum a little bit, we're going to go to best song. And the nominees in this category were No Time to Die, Be Alive from King Richard, Dos Argentes from Encanto, Four Good Days from Somehow, or excuse me, Somehow You Do from Four Good Days, Down to Joy from Belfast. And the winner in this category, Keeping the Streak Alive, at three straight wins for a James Bond movie, No Time to Die, Billie Eilish, Phineas, 
can now add Academy Award winner to their amazing resume. So happy for this film. So happy for them. A great way to cap off the Daniel Craig era for the James Bond franchise and just a great capper for this, for both of them as a songwriters for this song that started out back in 2020. We were already forecasting this to be the potentiality in 2021 before the movie moved to last year. Now it wins again this year for this song, Jason. So happy for this well-deserved. Ah, I can't. I'm so happy for No Time to Die. Um, well, first of all, I forgot who presented it, but they forgot to they forgot to mention Phineas, which is a little disrespectful. Yeah, a little bit. Um, he is equally as important to all of Billy's work. But yeah, I mean, I'm look, Billy Eilish, one of the biggest stars on the planet. She's phenomenal. Um, every, I mean, she has just the amount of industry respect. I would not be surprised to see her win even more awards next week at the Grammys. Um, she's truly a institute at this point. Um, she's just going to keep, she's going to keep uh, getting hardware. <laughs> and knowing the story for her, cause I, I was reading interviews when they were at the Oscar luncheon, growing up with the Oscars, watching the telecast and just dreaming one day of being on that stage at her age and Phineas's age too, to be as young as they are. I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. I believe they're the youngest bond writers and singers to win at the Oscars. And I believe they're some of the youngest Academy Award winners as well, especially within the 21st century. They're, they're breaking records. They're, they're doing stuff right. And I wouldn't be surprised if what, if they do something for television, maybe they do something for a musical one day, we could see both of them, if not one of them be an EGOT writer winner down the line. Do you think that's possible in the future for these two? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> look, I bless them for whatever they do win. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to Broadway anytime soon, but I'm happy for everything they do. Yeah. And we'll have to wait a little bit longer, though, for one more EGOT to happen with Lynn Manuel Miranda, which I'm actually really happy. He didn't have to celebrate his EGOT from home. Exactly. Exactly. So he gets to at least wait one more year or no, whenever he decides to release another soundtrack for another movie to maybe get that Oscar and be there in person at the Dolby Theater. So at least we get to see that moment hopefully happen in, in person instead of on virtual somewhere. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to best score. The nominees were The Power of the Dog, Encanto, Dune, Don't Look Up, and Parallel Mothers. And no surprise again, Jason Dune racking up another win for Hans Zimmer, his second Academy Award in his illustrious career. And I don't know if you saw the pictures of Hans Zimmer in, in his bathrobe with the Oscar in his in his pocket. It was such a great it was such a great thing. It's totally Hans Zimmer thing to do. I'm very happy for him. Very well deserved for this win for him. Yeah, it's been 30 years, so I'm glad it finally happened again for him. Um, like I said, we were said last time, it just feels like, how has this not happened again for him? He's, he's always nominated. Um, but yeah, excellent work. Um, that score is phenomenal. Uh, we'll have to wait a little on Johnny Greenwood, but. A little I'm bit. Sure but he'll have his chance. Exactly. He'll have his chance in the long run, but it was Hans Zimmer's year this year. Do you think, depending on how the score might be in Doom Part 2 that maybe we get Denny Villeneuve to 
for another score, maybe not a win, but a nomination to compare it that depending on if the score changes drastically in part two for, for Dune. I don't even think it matters if it changes drastically. Then keep nominating John Williams for the same Star Wars score. That is very true. Very true. So we'll see what happens there, but just something that I was thinking about, especially because I do think with the six wins for Dune, it very much showcases that the Academy really liked the first part. So if they like the first part, I think it's only going to be interesting to see how they think about the second part if it lives up to even half of what the first part of this film was. All right, moving on now to Best Production Design. The nominees in this category were West Side Story, Dune, The Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, and The Tragedy of Macbeth. And once again, Jason, lining them up once again, Dune winning this award. And again, a lot of these were during the pre-recorded session. So again, for what could have been a huge momentum starter at the beginning of this broadcast where everything's just do, 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 and you get that buzz going for the movie. Nope. Not happen. Weirdly shortchanged. Um, but that's okay. You know, cause we're, we're, we're here to celebrate Dune. And again, another one we called and happy to see it. And I don't know what else to add really. Yeah. No, I mean, great production design. I, again, I think, I would love to see West Side Story get it, even Nightmare Alley. But again, when you see the the details put into the world of Arrakis, into the Atreides homeworld, to the to the to the Hawthorns, it's all just so well done and so beautifully crafted that you just cannot deny. When it's sci-fi and you can build out sci-fi worlds, there's nothing quite like it. So I can understand giving that award to Dune. Absolutely, and it's it's. Um, it's kind of nice to see um, a movie that isn't a, ter- a you know, a standard, um, I guess, just a standard period piece. Um, when the something that's a little, you know, it's futuristic, it's sci-fi, it's not a traditional production design winner. Um, I think that's, you know, I think it's fun. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you on that. All right, moving on now to best makeup and hairstyling. The nominees in this category are or were Dune, Cruella, House of Gucci, Coming to America, and The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And Jason, surprise, surprise, this one did not go to Dune. This one no. actually, it did not. Dune's no. a loser. <laughs> and they are losing this category, but it did go to the team for the eyes of Tammy Faye. And I think we both had this one for the win as well. Yep. Well-deserved. I mean, it's so funny, again, thinking about House of Gucci and how we were talking about how they made Jared Leto work. We were like, oh, this is going to be nominated and even win easily. But then we look at what Tammy Faye did, and you could say the same exact thing for a performance that we'll get to in a little bit was very much elevated because of that. And the way that the prosthetics worked, you didn't even think that was Jessica Chastain whatsoever, especially later on in the movie. And they just did such an incredible job. Very well done, very well deserved. And I think this was another, another category and another win that was before the ceremony. And I think the winners here very much talked about responsibility towards the below in the line people representing them and doing good by them. So I don't think that was part of their odd placement though. Yeah. Very odd. Right before, actor actress and it was after director and right before actor actress and picture yep one of the last awards of the night it was very weird how late they had it you wonder if, if they knew it because they knew at that point if they were like let's shoot this in before 
Jessica Chastain potentially wins it for best actress. You wonder if that was maybe a, a strategy that they utilized. I guess. Since they knew the winners already. It felt very weird to me. It did. It did feel really weird. But nonetheless, it was great to see them on that stage and accept that award. Makeup and hairstyling, very key key point. And we talked about that on our Friday's prediction show about how far makeup and hairstyling can take you in a performance and make you seem like a person that nobody will even recognize you to be a part of. All right. Moving on to best film editing. And the nominees in this category were... The Power of the Dog, King Richard, Dune, Tick, Tick, Boom, and Don't Look Up. And Jason, this is probably the one category that we had a little bit of, of, of contention with, where you had one or two picks that I wasn't for, and then I went with Dune. And in the end, it seems like Dune was the one that prevailed. And this is the one that I, I felt like I was going out on a limb on. And I knew once, no. that, once that went through and I won that one, it was going to be a good night for my ballot. We could have been tied, but this is why you got to beat me this year. <laughs> and I, and like I said, I was so dumbfounded when I was trying to explain this in the last show. Like, I don't know who's going to win what, and I can't explain why the edit, how the editing winners even work anymore. Like, Dune's just going to win because why not? It didn't really get a lot of precursors, but everyone felt so confident winning. Joe Walker is a very good editor. Um, he's been nominated before. Yeah. Sure. I, sure. Uh, yeah. You know <laughs> Listen, sure. I'll go with um, it. It's all technical stuff, man. All below the line. Just give it to why Dune. Why would I ever doubt Dune would win another technical thing? <laughs> Clearly, they're just checking it off. I mean, I always say, I said on my, on my best picture breakdown for Dune, this could very well be, and it did up, end up being kind of the Mad, the 2022 version of Mad Max Free Road in the 2016 ceremony, where it just dominated the beginning of the show. I mean, it was all Dune every single minute when these categories were going off. So it just made sense. And you just got to, you just got to put it in all what, whenever happens, always put it on Dune. It's like always been on black, always been on Dune, all in on it, all in on the sci-fi epic. All right. Moving on to best costume design and the nominees are, or were West side story, Cruella, Dune, nightmare alley and Sierra. Now, once again, for the last time this season, shout out to the one and only Sierra. No, very underutilized this season. Overall, only nom. check out, check out the film on digital when you get a chance. Very, very great film. Well, so well deserved for this category and should have been nominated in other categories to go. But I digress. That is the last time you'll hear me talk about Sierra now for the end of this season. Moving on to greater and prosperous things, hopefully for Peter Dinklage and others from that film and other films down the line. All right. But Sierra did not win this category. Dune did not win this category. It went to the Disney film with Emma Stone. You don't want to say her name, but you do. Even though it's evil, it's Cruella. Cruella ends up winning for best costume design, Jason. No surprise when a film about fashion gets the fashion award in the end. Yeah, and and it's the only movie I haven't actually seen on the list. Oops. Uh Um, (laughs) So naturally, I had to predict it. And look, even in the Oscar clip, I was like, oh, man, I'm so safe in this prediction. <laughs> it's just really eating up the competition. I just, these outfits, intricate. Um, and I really liked the costume designer when she came up to accept. She uh, explained the significance of the uh, dress she had on. Um, it was kind of Cruella-inspired. Um, 
I always like little things like that because it's you know we don't know these people on the yeah. technical the, the the costume person. She's not unless you're like you know Ruth uh or yeah Ruth Carter Ruth Carter yeah Ruth Carter yeah um I was just her like we don't we don't know who you are so. I'm glad that we like the this random lady got to kind of get a nice little nice little shine, get her a moment. Fun fact, she was actually the costume designer for Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Was this her first win or this is her second one, I believe. She won the Oscar for Mad Max Fury Road because she oh, she talked about it on stage where she's like, Oh, you guys had some comments about my wardrobe the last time, which was Mad Max Fury Road. And so she talked about that's why she went into the her whole design. When she won for Cruella, so I'm gonna fact check you live on air, Sam. Go for it. Let's see this. But yeah, I did, she did. I believe she did win for Mad Max Fury Road in the end. She again, won three Oscars. Oh wow! Okay. Why did I think she? Okay, so she did win for Mad Max, and she also won for. Let's do facts. A room with a view in 1987. So she's been wow. around the minute. Maybe it's my problem. I don't know who she is. <laughs> now you do. Now you know who she is. She just won three Oscars. Okay. Well, there we go. Well, <laughs> there we go. Costume design Oscar legend in our midst that we saw last night. But again, very well deserved for Cruella, and we'll see what designs we get for Cruella two, which. The designer did say that they are in the midst of working on right now. So we'll see what new designs they have and could maybe lead to another nomination down the line. Never know. Never know with these films. All right. Moving on to best cinematography in the nominees in this category were The Power of the Dog, West Side Story, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and The Tragedy of Macbeth. And Jason, as much as I wanted to see Janusz Kaminski win this award for West Side Story, could not deny what Craig Frazier did for Dune. And he wins it for that film. Very well-deserved. Kudos to him. I'm sure the momentum, like you said, for Batman probably helped him out as well. So we could probably be seeing him in the same position next year, potentially, for that film. But for right now, for this movie, Dune, very well-deserved. Amazing cinematography. Hands down, probably the best, alongside what West Side Story did, too. Totally agree. Um, yeah, they, I mean, it's, look, it's a big, high-budget, wide-scope film um you're kind of just begging for an oscar with something that looks like that um very very much very well deserved yeah and there was a little competition with power of the dog but it didn't wasn't able to prevail we don't me. actually know if there was competition it sounded like there was a little bit of maybe we were, well, maybe we were the prognosticators we were considering yeah. competition yeah. we were we were making up the competition in our heads trying to get people in tights to see this matchup absolutely all right Moving on, now we're getting to the big leagues now. We're getting to the above the line and starting off, of course, with the screenplay winners here. We're going to start off with best original screenplay, and the nominees in this category were Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, Belfast, King Richard, and The Worst Person in the World. And Jason, this came down to seeing who was going to win their first ever Oscar. Was it going to be Paul Thomas Anderson? Was it going to be Kenneth Branagh? And in the end, the one and only Sir Kenneth Branagh wound up winning his first ever Oscar for a film that's near and dear to his heart about his childhood in the, in the towns of Belfast in Belfast. Very well-deserved. I'm very happy that Kenneth Brown was able to go up on that stage and accept that award. Great speech. Love seeing him with his golden statue. Now, what did you think about it? I completely agree. Um, you know, it was obviously not my pick to win um, personally, but I, you know, he's been nominated so many times, has never gotten a chance to win. He's been nominated in seven different categories. 
I think this is the first time getting nominated for original because he's usually doing Shakespeare adaptations or just adaptations in general. Um, and you know, after Artemis Fowl, um, he needed a re- he needed a rebound. And I guess winning an Oscar is about as good of a rebound as you can get. Um, and between him and Paul Thomas Anderson, like I said, Kenneth Branagh's last movie before Belfast was Artemis Fowl. Paul Thomas Anderson's last movie before Licorice Pizza was Phantom Thread. Um, so, yeah, I think Paul Thomas Anderson will be back. <laughs> I think so. Um, this might have been the last chance to give it to Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? We'll give it to him now while we can. Paul Thomas Anderson, we'll get you next time. 11 unanswered nominations is so tough to see, though, for such a talented filmmaker. Yeah. But you know what? On to number 12, 13, and 14, depending on if it goes for best picture, best director, and best screenplay again. So, again, like you said, going for it. he's going for it. We'll see where he gets to. But, again, he'll get it one day in the future. I did say to, to our friend Ben, though, and I don't know if I said it to you, if we had had another performance, you know one that I really would have loved to see, and I wish they kept doing it for their Oscar campaign. They did it very early on for Belfast. It was having Jamie Dornan do Everlasting Love. That's at least if there's one thing in the film that I loved, it was him singing that song. Keep giving that to me. He was doing all over the campaign. I said he should have been doing Edgar's Prayer from uh, Barman Stargard of Vista Del Mar. <laughs> but whatever. We can't make, make me happy, clearly. <laughs> I guess not. They, the Academy doesn't like Jason for some reason. We, we just don't know why. For some but yes, reason. that would have been very cool. Yeah. But you know what? We can't get what we always want sometimes. But. We're going to move on now because we can get what we want with Best Adapted Screenplay. And I think that very much fared well for both of us in the category. And the winner in that one we'll get to in a second. But the nominees in this category were The Power of the Dog, The Lost Daughter, Coda, Dune, and Drive My Car. And Jason, this is the one that I think for us, for Best Picture, we were debating Power of the Dog, Coda, what could potentially happen. Coda wins this award. What do you think right away after it, it's, its name is said? Like I said, um, they vote with their hearts. And Coda is, the you know, that's a full heart movie. Um, we knew we couldn't vote for Sean Hader in directors. She was not nominated. We want to give it to her somewhere. Um, this is absolutely the place you're going to do it. So now she's Academy Award winner, uh, Sean Hader. I'm, I'm happy for her. She, you know, it's, um, she seemed very happy to get this award. Um, it seemed very, I, I have no issues with it. The movie is incredibly likable. Um, and that's what I'll say about Coda, because we'll be mentioning it a couple more times. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, and, and I will say though, I think, I know people would love to see Sean Hader get a best director nomination, but I, again, the, the, the film was directed really well, but it wasn't anything showy. And again, the nominees for best director, I think were made their impact in best director. I think Sean Hader made her impact with the script. I think the story is where is where the heart of the film is and the characters. And that all comes from the writing. So she very much well won for the right thing. And that was for the screenplay. So I was very happy to see her win it. She did a tremendous job. And again, we'll leave it at that because we're going to get to it in a little bit later on when we get to some of the other categories in the, the the telecast. All right. Speaking of Coda, we're going to move on to best supporting actor. Speaking of getting to it, we're going to get to it right now again with best supporting actor. And the nominees in this category were Cody Smith McPhee for the power of the dog, Jesse Plemons for the power of the dog, 
Sear and Hines for Belfast, J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos, and Troy Kotzer for Coda. And Jason, we were hoping for it. We were waiting to see if it actually happened, and it did as Troy Kotzer won this award and made history as the first deaf man to win the Academy Award, the first person in the deaf, com- the second person in the deaf community to win after his co-star Marley Matlin did it all the way back in the 80s, I believe. So history yeah. was made here today. Full circle moment kind of for, for this film, for the co-stars of the movie. Really well-deserved. Loved Troy Kotzer's speech. I mean, when we talk about, uh, again, everyone had great speeches. His was definitely one of the best speeches of the night. Even the translator was getting choked up when when talking mm-hmm. about what he what Troy Kotzer was sign languaging to everybody else. So amazing all around performance, amazing person, amazing speech. You can understand why people were so dearly influenced by the performance and by Troy Kotzer himself, which is why you want to go out on these campaign trails because you get to meet people and see their personalities. And for someone like Troy Kotzer, again, you don't know when he's going to get another chance like this again, and you want to be able to award him for what he did in this film. He very well deserved it, and I'm so happy for him in the end for this one. Absolutely. You're, I mean, you you said it all. Um, it was a little funny because um, the the supporting actress, who I've already forgotten her name, even though I memorized it so well last year, um, from Minari. Oh, um, Yin Jung Yoon, I believe it is? Yeah, Yin Jung Yoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she gave him the award and then he took it and was happy. And then like a second later, it was like, okay, but you do need to take it back so I can actually give my speech with yeah. my hands. <laughs> um, and then, you know, because the stage was small, she just kind of had to stand there and nod along to his him doing the sign language. The right um, was trying know. to get her to the side. She just wouldn't go for it. But she has his Oscar. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you do in that situation. But because they're like the two most likable people, um, and neither of them are really huge actors or act, yeah, huge actors in um, Hollywood. You know, it just seemed like these two like very real down to earth people um, getting to share this very beautiful moment together. I was very happy. She's the one who got to pass the torch over to him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he absolutely deserved that. And I will say, I, I did get scared for saying that Cody Smith McPhee was going to get it. Um, his Oscar really? clip. That's the thing about the Oscar clips. When you, I saw his clip, I was like, "Wow, he really was so good in that movie." <laughs> he was, but when you saw the audience, because because Troy Kotzer was, was the first win for Coda that night. Then it was yes. that screenplay. But when you saw the reaction just for him, the whole room, and I loved it when they all went like this because that's the, yes. that's the sign language sign for clapping. You just knew right then and there. Okay, the the Academy's behind this movie. Like everyone in that in that room, they all is- learned the, how to clap in sign language for them. Yeah, um, but we will get to that also a little later. Yeah, but, but very very happy for yeah, him. Very happy for him. Very happy for the movie and his performance. Very well deserved in the end. Moving on now to best supporting actress. The nominees in the category were Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Anjun Ellis for King Richard. Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, Judy Dench for Belfast, and Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter. And Jason, 60 years in the making, 60-year anniversary. Rita Moreno was in the crowd. It was yep. just too perfect of a moment, and it happened for the amazing, talented Ariana DeBose. She won this award finally. She's the first openly queer woman and first Afro-Latina 
to win this award. Second Latina overall to win a, an, an acting Oscar, especially in the supporting character category, excuse me, after Rita Moreno did it, of course, in 1961-62 for West Side Story in the 61 adaptation. So an incredible trailblazing win, well-deserved, the front runner for the entire season, loved it. Your reaction to her winning this award? Look, it's inspiring just because only about five, six years ago, she was an ensemble, not speaking, she was an ensemble for Hamilton. Yep. Um, so you have to, you know, take your binoculars out to notice her. And the, and and the one time you did notice her, it was in the, the Disney Plus then. Yeah, but the whole point is, from there, boom, boom, so quick. Um, really just out of nowhere became a star. And I think we knew after she hosted SNL, like, oh, she's here for a while. And yeah, she gave an undeniably excellent performance. Again, why I'm so happy for the Oscar clip. The clip they showed um, of her uh, towards the end when she's in the uh, Rita Morano's uh, store um, with all of the, uh, with all the guys. And, you know, she said, uh, She's talked about America and the height of the emotions of the movie. It was really showing. It's just, oh yeah, no, there's, there's a reason she's here right now. This yeah. is, this is pretty locked up. Yeah. Pretty locked up. Pretty much. I mean, if I think if there was a sure bet, she was the other than Will Smith. I think she was the other one that, yeah. okay. She was probably going to win this award. So again, very well-deserved. She was the face all award season for West Side Story. This is the only one that West Side Story had, but it was the one that I think was encapsulates everything that you loved about the film, I think was within Ariana DeBose. So I'm very happy she was the face of this film throughout the award season run. And it all caps off for Best Supporting Actress for her. And I'm sure we will be seeing her back in that theater in the near future for other performances as well. So she's going to add it to the Vito Corleone, the Joker, Anita yeah, yeah. I mean, all the roles you can you do need to take if you want to win an Oscar. Basically, so Steven Spielberg is gonna have to get back on there for uh, West Side Story uh, 2, 3.0 In or sixty years. Yeah, when <laughs> Denny Denny's gonna have to do it. Denny Villeneuve and his and his essence as as a filmmaker is gonna have to do it next. We'll give it to him. All right, moving on to Best Actor, and the nominees in this category were Andrew Garfield for Tick Tick Boom, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. Will Smith for King Richard, Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth, and Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. So, Jason, again, we talked about it all beforehand, but just focusing on the win itself for Will Smith, what's your reaction to it? The win itself is well-deserved. The performance was excellent. Will Smith has been a Hollywood staple for decades. Um and, you know, he hasn't been in the award conversation um, in a while. I mean, he I mean, I guess the last time was concussion. But even then, um, that had been the first time in a while. Um, he, you know, and he's, he's unfortunately had a lot of movies. I look at uh, something like Seven Pounds. Um, what's the other one? Collateral Beauty. Um, you can could probably go through his filmography and see a lot of uh, – Oh man, he really thought that was going to be something too bad. Um, and he, yeah, so he, he's been working for an Oscar for such a long time. And he produced this movie himself. 
he, you know, he, he helped get this thing made. Um, and it's, it's a showy Oscar, Oscar performance. And, you know, I know I look, Benedict Cumberbatch was phenomenal. And I know you have your feelings about Andrew Garfield that I would agree with another just a plus out of the park performance, but look, Will Smith has been at this for a while. And if anyone deserves a lead actor award, it's that guy. So I'm glad he finally got his time to shine. Um, despite everything else. <laughs> yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with that. And again, I think when we look at this role and we said it beforehand, when something like this usually comes up and a person has been nominated multiple times and has never won an Academy award. Some people can look at some performances and be like, Oh, well he's a front runner because it's a career award and it's a career win for him potentially. But, and I still stand by this. I don't, I don't agree with that. I agree with you where I do believe this is one of the best performances he's ever put on screen period. I think he embodied Richard Williams so incredibly well. And when we talk about the Oscar clips, when he's there with the actress who plays Venus Williams, that it's just such a powerful scene. And he does a great job of really emotionally connecting the audience to those two and, and the, and the problems that they're dealing with, that it's just so well-deserved. He did an incredible job. And again, with everything that went on, it's just a shame that it wasn't able to celebrate it in a way that I think a lot of people wanted it to be celebrated in, but it was well-deserved. I think he, if there's one thing that he needed for kind of like a hall of fame, as you need a championship to get into the hall of fame, to be considered an all-time great, a legend, he has that Oscar now. And so you can put him in that pantheon. I think of all-time greats where when you talk about some of the great performers of all time in Hollywood, he's on that list now with this Academy award officially. So again, despite everything, this is a well-deserved award for him. This was a long time coming and, and it was really, really deserving for this role as Richard Williams for him. So I'm very, in the end, despite everything that goes on, I'm not, and I'm still not happy about him with that. I am happy that he was able to win this Oscar and at least have that moment in the spotlight. All right. Moving on now. What's you want to say something? Nope. Completely agree. All right. Okay. Moving on now to probably the most highly contested category of the night and of the whole season, really. And it was of course, best actress and the nominees in this category were Kristen Stewart for Spencer, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Nicole Kimmon for Being the Ricardos, and Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. And Jason, after back and forth, ups and downs, Kristen Stewart one day, Nicole Kimmon another, Jessica Chastain the next, Penelope Cruz a potential upset. It was, I almost said Nicole Kimmon. It was not Nicole Kimmon. In the end, it was a Jessica Chastain that won this award for the eyes of Tammy Faye. It was her third nomination overall, her first win in her career. And also a very interesting note as well, almost the entire casting, the starring cast of The Help from 2011 now has an Academy Award from Viola Davis to Octavia Spencer to Emma Stone to now the one and only Jessica Chastain. The only one that does not have an Oscar yet on her mantle is Bryce Dallas Howard. But though from the way she directs nowadays, could it maybe come sooner rather than later? We well, never know. We don't know. We don't know. But but yeah, I mean, know. Hey, but good great for, though for good her. for the help. Uh, good for Jessica Chastain. Um, well, yeah, it's kind of a weird cycle because it's a very showy performance. On paper, it's once it happened. Once it was happening, it's like, oh well, 
yeah, she could win. Just, I mean, it seems like an Oscar winning performance. She has the makeup. She has an accent. Um, the movie's built around her. She's a very likable character in a movie that gets a bit dark. Um, it's inspiring. It's emotional. It's the movie is made for the actor to do their thing. And she did her thing so well. And she's, you know, even though it's only her third nomination, which is wild to think about, um, she's, um, you know, feels like someone who's already overdue. Um, think about 2011. She only got one nomination when she could have gone three realistically. Um, just a stellar year. And then Zero Dark Thirty, she was probably a front runner that year for the award. Um, and, you know, she hasn't quite been able to pick up any nomination since then. She's close with Molly's game. Um, she's had a few, um, say about like The Zookeeper's Wife, a few others, uh, movies that come in and out where you can tell she's going for it. It hasn't quite worked out. Um, so I'm glad she was finally able to secure that win. Academy Award winner Jessica Chastain now. Um, very happy for her. I thought she gave a, a pretty nice speech. Yeah, she did, yeah. she did great. And Isaac Tammy Faye, one of only three movies to win more than one award. Yep, it did win two awards, this and makeup and hairstyling. And it, the 355 did not deter Jessica Chastain from this award. So major props to that as well from that happening. Because we know sometimes a bad film can potentially deter somebody away from an Academy Award, but thank God it did not happen to Jessica Chastain this year. So again, great for her. I loved her speech too. What do you think of her speech? I thought it went pretty well. Um, you know, I think she's very Hollywood sometimes and can come across as a little out of touch maybe because of that. Um, again, I don't know her personally. She, I'm, I'm sure if I met her and we had a conversation, I'm sure we'd get along very well. Um, but, you know, sometimes you can come across as a little on a, a, out of touch just by being in Hollywood. Um, and I didn't find that that fully translated. Um, she seemed genuinely very grateful for that award. She, you know, she also produced that movie and had worked very hard um, to get it made. And it shows was the uh, performance. Um, and I really liked Tammy Faye. I really thought that was a uh, solid movie. Um so, and that's also, you know, a nice little notch in Michael Showalter's belt. Um, you know, he's a more of a comedic actor and he did the big sick and this was his follow-up. Um, now he can say he's nominated, he's directed an Oscar nominated performance. Um, that's all you need. Not a lot of people get to say that. Nope. So good on him. All right. Moving on now to the final two categories of the night. And we're going to start off with best director and the nominees in this category were Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, and Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. And Jason, I don't think this was a surprise whatsoever. She's been dominating the awards season all year long, all season long. And that, of course, is Jane Campion. She is the third woman to win the Best Director Award, coming off of Catherine Brigolo, of course, coming off of last year for Chloe Zhao. And it's also history that for two consecutive award seasons, two consecutive Oscars, that a woman has won the award. So a lot of history was made in this category last night. Great job by Jane Campion. Even though she had her, a little misstep at the Critics' Choice Awards a few weeks ago, was you not something. On trip. What's that? 
He stayed on script this she year. Did. You saw she immediately took out her notes. It's like smart move, Jane. Yeah. I, I think I think it was um somebody on Twitter said you can definitely see that someone from Netflix <laughs> coached her on what to do if she were to win the award. So I thought that was pretty funny, but well deserved. Even though she had that misstep, was enough to deter her from being voted to win this award. So well deserved. Very con- congratulations to her. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Um, I will say, I think it was. Look, I don't know behind the scenes, so maybe this couldn't have happened. But on from my end, it did feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity to not kind of recreate what they were able to do with the DGA awards and have Chloe Zhao give that award to her, kind of showing the sim, uh, you know, the symbolic gesture of having back-to-back female directors. I think that would have been very strong and very memorable. Um, but I'm assuming that there was a legitimate reason for that not to be the case. Um, I assume someone around, and someone working at the Academy, maybe just asking a lot, but since somebody would have been pitching that and trying to make that happen before they went to Kevin Costner. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But he's not a bad alternate choice because, you know, he's cowboy champion right now with Yellowstone. Um, oh, yeah. So, Who's Sam Elliott to say that you're not making a real Western when Kevin Costner is giving you your Oscar? True. Maybe Sam Elliott with an Oscar. <laughs> right. Maybe maybe that's what they were going for here. Like a little sub, a little sub hit. I don't know. Could have been. But maybe it was something with, with, with Chloe's schedule, maybe. They couldn't find a way to get I her out there. To. It had to have been. Like um, that's the only logical the explanation only, I could think of. And a spoiler alert. Um, there's only a word power to dog one. So it's the first movie since the graduate in 1969 to only win best director. Um, got nominated, went one for 12. Um, so if it had missed that, it would have gone 0 for 12, which would have been uh, the biggest L. And I wonder, is, this another, is this another spoiler alert where, because Dune didn't win a best picture, we'll, we'll say that right up the, off the bat, but it, it only, without Denny Villeneuve winning for be, or being nominated for best director and having the most wins, is it the first time that uh, a director wasn't nominated yet the film had the most wins? At the Oscars? I would have to... I feel like in, in recent years, it's tough because, you know, I feel like a lot of technical movies... Like, hold on. I'm doing some brain thinking. This could, this always dangerous. I think Black Panther... I know it only got three, but I don't know if anything got more than three that year and Ryan Coogler was not nominated. Right. Um. That's the only thing I can think of. No, because I think that and Green Book all both. No, I think Roma got four. Yeah, Roma so got four. I don't know. So that I don't know. I would have to. I would have to check. All right. So we'll be de- we'll we'll be to be determined on that point. But I believe that's that's what I heard. But the well, only the stat I will say regarding that, not that it's relevant, but it's the only stat I know. <laughs> oh, the, the, the one that, um, is that I think it's the second time a movie's been nominated for ten awards without getting best director the first time um, mm-hmm. being a color purple for Steven Spielberg, who also didn't get nominated um, despite it being nominated everywhere else. Yes, that was a crime too. Should have been nominated for that movie. Phenomenal film. Underrated Spielberg. Doing film, a, he's like. doing okay. Yeah, he's doing just fine. He, he just got another best director now. So he could be back this season, honestly, for all we know. Fableman's is going to be big, Sam. I just think, you wait. Listen, I don't mind another big Steven Spielberg hit. So keep them coming after West Side Story. I'm all for them. All right, moving on to the final category of the night, the one that everyone was looking forward to, best picture. You ready for this, Jason? 
I'm ready for this. Ready? All right. Let's wrap this up. Let's finish off strong. All right. So the nominees, the 10 nominees for best picture were West Side Story, Belfast, The Power of the Dog, Coda, King Richard, Dune, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Licorice Pizza, and Nightmare Alley. And in the end, Jason, this was a potential two-legged race, the Battle of the Streamers. Was it going to be Apple TV Plus with Coda? Was it going to be Netflix finally with the power of the dog? And in the end, Tim Cook and the people over at Apple made history, beating out Netflix that had years and years of putting money into these campaigns, of becoming the first streamer ever to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards for Coda, the little engine that could, could, and won in the end, sweeping the Academy Awards, winning all three of their Oscars, best adapted screenplay, best supporting actor, and best picture, and made history as being a film to win best picture with a small amount of nominations and wins, not having a nomination in film editing, not having seven or eight nominations in total, only three nominations, and it won every single one of them. Jason, an historical end to a crazy night in Hollywood, but nonetheless, I think it ended strongly. And the film that everyone fell in love with supported all the way through from at least the last month, month and a half, one at the end, great cultural reverence, great diversity, great inclusion, a film worthy that I believe a best picture, one of the best films of the year and a very well-deserved film to win for best picture at the 2021, 2022 Academy Awards. Yeah, I mean, it's weird by any metric, you know, it, I, I forget what the exact year of a movie winning without director and editing uh, nominations, because usually they say you got to win editing to win picture. It didn't get nominated. Wow. I'm going to be honest, it was probably not six or seven. It wasn't really seen as a snub in that category either. Um, I can't really think of a... Outside of editing, I don't think it was really in contention for any of the other technical categories um, because it's not, like you said, with the director. It's not not that it was poorly directed, not that it was poorly edited. That's not what it was about. It was a heartfelt personal story um, set in a contemporary time. So it's just we're little, we're showy, we didn't spend a lot of money. Um, and Apple took a chance, spent $25 million picking it up. And that money paid off because they won Best Picture. Um, I think that Preferential Ballot absolutely did this. Um, when you have a movie like this where um, the worst reaction is, oh, well, I like that pretty good. And everyone's seeing it. They had a pr- very good four-year consideration campaign. They went to the White House. Um, it's, it's very hard to be mad at it. Um, you know, it puts a spotlight on um, a community that we don't really get to have, that don't get to have their story told all the time, um, which we need to cherish those moments when we get them. Um, I, I'm just very, very glad that it got to have this moment. And look, look, watching everybody do the sign clapping when it won, um, you, you could just tell the uh, atmosphere in the air People were just so grateful to have that um, to have that movie win. Um, and if people were like, I said, I'll bring it back, but if people were talking about the movie that actually won Best Picture, 
um, they would be talking about this. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to use a get their free Apple membership if they haven't already to check it out now. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to love it. Um, I really think it's it's one of those crowd pleasers that um, you wouldn't think to check out. But now that one best picture, you're going to check it out and you're going to like it. Um, and as much as I love Power to the Dog and probably would have made that my personal number one um, on that out of the nominated movies, I cannot say the same for that. Um, so I'm I'm not bitter at it about it. Um, you know, it's unconventional in every way. Um, I think it's it's kind of nice to get a, a a best picture winner that makes us thoroughly um, happy. Yeah, and I think it's the fact also that it was just a it wasn't a fun film, but it's so lighthearted and it's just so heartwarming and inspiring for everybody. Like it's not just for the deaf community or, or specific demographics. It's a, it's a movie for everybody. It's really a four quadrant family movie that you can enjoy and learn from and, and have fun with. It's I, I, I can't emphasize enough how funny this movie is. Like, I think it's surprising. Like when people watch this film, they will be shocked by how much they are laughing throughout the movie. It's, it's so funny, so humorous, but it, it, it also takes itself seriously when it needs to. It's just so good. All the leads are just, Fantastic. From Amelia Jones, who I think is somebody who's going to be a big star one day. I think she's somebody that you're going to want to watch out for in the next couple of years with the projects that she does. Marley Matley is a legend. She is amazing. So to see this cast and and the way that they were just revered and just taken in with the Academy was so well done. And also something else that I forgot to mention, this isn't just a huge one for Apple. Is, or the communities, it's also a big win for a specific film festival, the Sundance Film Festival. This is the first time that a Sundance Film Festival has made it all the way from its, from its film festival in 2021 to the Academy Awards. So for that, so for one of the, the, the film festivals that kicks off the new year and we got our first crop of new movies that come out, this is a big deal for them. So I'm really happy for them that this is hopefully gets them noticed as well for the community, for Apple TV+. Plus. Just a a great way. And again, like you said, with everything that went on, hopefully in the end, when people do talk about the Academy Awards, we talk about not just this movie, but all the movies and again, performances that were so inclusive. Like I think this year, when we talk about inclusion and, and diversity, this really was a great step in the right direction for that. They did such a great job of that. And And it never felt cynical. And that's the most important thing. I, they didn't give it to Coda because, well, we should give it to the deaf people, you know? Oh, we should give it to the queer Latina person because we haven't done checked that box yet. Um, no, it's has everything to do with, no, the movie with deaf people in it made me feel the best. And in my opinion, is my favorite movie of this list. No, the deaf guy who played the dad gave an Oscar-worthy performance. No, the African-American lead actor gave an Oscar-worthy performance. The queer Latina gave an Oscar-worthy performance. None of these things felt cynical. They felt justified. And people were cheering alongside them um, because of that. And I think it comes down at the end of the day, um, it's not about, oh, well, you're giving it to someone because of who they are. Um, no, you're 
giving them those opportunities to be put in those situations. Um, and, you know, in the wake of Oscar so white, that's what I was, was always saying. The problem isn't just that we're not rewarding these performances. It's that we don't even have the performances to reward, you know? Yeah. I, and I think we're finally getting to a place now where um, we're getting more and more diverse above and below the line um, nominees. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, as long as the quality stays good, I'm good. So as we wrap up here, Jason, on the San Basel podcast, where we were talking about everything going on with the 94th Annual Academy Awards, we just wrapped up going through all the winners and people that deserve the Academy Awards last night that did such an incredible job, gave amazing speeches. When you look at this whole award season and you look at this year's Oscars, what's one thing or, or one or two things that you take away from the season and from this year's Oscars in general? Um, I think that uh, streaming is incredibly important to these now. Um, it's if now officially, if it wasn't before, it's an essential part of the movie industry. You need to you need to be competitive on streaming, and I think a lot of that is also that nobody's giving Jane Campion millions of dollars to make the Power of the Dog besides Netflix. You know, um, you know, Apple TV didn't. You know, they they picked up Coda for distribution, but that's also proving you don't have to be Netflix to be competitive. Um, you just got to be, you just got to put out a good movie because, and market it correctly. And sometimes you just catch lightning in a bottle. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that, <laughs> look, I think next year is going to be another situation. We have a ton of streaming movies already on the dock um, to be looking at. And I'm very excited to see uh, what's next, but streaming is here to stay forever. Um, whether you like it or not, um, but I'm, I'm glad that someone's funding a lot of these movies. And looking towards next year, just a little bit, a little fortune telling. Yes. I know we, we, do, we do this every single year that we're on the podcast together. We've done it for a while. Just forecasting a little bit. What do you think are going to be some big headlines, some movies that we could be looking at that are potential front runners early on this year for next year? Again, roller coaster what we think about now is probably not even going to happen next year we never foresaw coda being where it's at right now or west side story or power of the dog but what are some films that right off the bat that you can think of that could be ones to look out for for next season this early on out even though we just finished one award season i, for us, I we always brain, think about the next one my brain can barely go there um <laughs> and i'm trying to think we always like predict like what's going to win next year just to like have the blind guess right I mean, the I don't even remember we got. what I said last year. I don't even remember. I don't know. I bet That's you how long ago it was. <laughs> I mean, I think um, we said West Side Story. We, we said a couple ones. Not Coda yeah, or like Power Dude. of the Dog or any of these ones. Dune, we might have um, said. So I'll play it safe because I think that um, the the probably the safest movie to bet on is uh, Flowers of the Killer Moon. Mm-hmm. I think that's it, right? Or The Killer of the Flower Moon. Killers, Killers of the Flower Moon. Man, I'm so smart. I know the name of the movie almost. <laughs> Scorsese making another probably like three plus hour epic for Apple TV now. Yeah. Uh, putting up. crazy money into it. Leonardo DiCaprio starring. Robert De Niro um, also. Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons. I mean, yep. these are the names that are. 
that are uh, that that you want in your Oscar nominated movie. Okay, Jesse Plemons has a very good track record now. Yep. Um, look, we got Whitney Houston biopic coming out. We have the Elvis biopic coming out. The Fablemans. Um, we got the Fablemans. We've got um, yeah, we got uh, Scorsese and Spielberg. Yeah. At it again next year. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up. Damien Chazelle has a movie coming out. Yep. Um, I'm very excited for Ari Aster's next movie, Disappointment Boulevard with Joaquin Phoenix. Do you um, think um don't do you think Don't Worry Darling could be up in contention with Olivia Wilde? No. Um, <laughs> but it could be, you never know. Um, because yeah, I mean that sounds I don't know. I'm wary as much as I like Book Smart. I'm wary. Little wary. Um, Minions 2, Grise of Gru. We've been waiting years for that. Does the hype live up? Um, <laughs> There's a couple. There's a couple for sure. Black Panther, kind of Forever, potentially. We're looking at big blockbusters. I mean, the first one definitely did. I mean, it's yeah. got a lot to live up to. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, those are really the big ones, honestly, that I can think of off the top of my head, to be honest. Absolutely. It's going to be, it's going to be exciting. Um, So we'll see if the Batman can make it through, if it could last for another year to make you happy. Craig Frazier, Michael G. Kino all the way, all the way for those guys, no matter what. Redeem, redeem the, the Oscars after what they did to the dark Knight. Can it get into picture? We'll see. Hashtag. That's my superhero. That's my my superhero. All right, so that's going to wrap it up here for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast, our post-Oscars special, where we, again, recapped everything going on with the 94th Annual Academy Awards. Once again, I want to thank, again, our great friend, awards expert himself, Jason Abdow, for another great awards season. Jason, where can people find you? I know the Grammys are coming up, like you said, so I know you'll be covering that, following that, so if people want to go to free for updates on that, for your website, where can people find you and, and, and look for your content? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jason Abdow, and you can follow my blog at criticaldarling.com. Awesome. So we'll definitely be checking you out there as well. And we're going to hope to have you back on soon in the near future. So once again, my friend, thank you so much for being on. And thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on here, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward including client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. 
Guys, everyone, thank you so much again for tuning into this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Again, very much a big thank you to Jason Abdow for being on here to talk everything Oscars related. Jason, we hope to have you back on soon in the near future, maybe for summer movie season, maybe for something else down the line as well. We want to have you back we'll, on. We'll so. make something happen, Sam. We always do. We always do. So we'll definitely have you on again, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. And again, thank you so much for everyone to tuning into this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. So until next time, keep on screening.